Amazing. Good morning, everyone. Who was expecting snow this morning? It was forecast. Can we have the house lights up? Thanks, Kesh. Um, it was forecast for this morning. Every time Armadale people hear a forecast for snow, they're like, whatever. <laughs> we all know it's not going to happen. <laughs> so sorry if you're visiting and you were expecting snow. We've still got a few weeks of winter. You never know. You never know what might happen. Huh? A few months. Don't say that. No, I'm going to say weeks. In faith. Thank you, Jesus, for the warm weather. Thank you, God. <laughs> all right. Um, hey, why don't you grab your Bible out? And uh, you might remember uh, last week Dan talked about hope, Dan uh, Urquhart, and the week before we began the book of Ruth, and we're going to finish up the book of Ruth um, this morning. And so if you are new here, you can relax. You don't need to have a Bible. We'll have everything on the screen. We're just going to talk about, read some Bible and talk about what that means for our lives. Is that cool with you? Awesome. All right. Very good. So you might remember um, from the book of Jonah, when we did the book of Jonah, we always ask, any, when we read any book, we always ask the questions, um, what happened and what's happening now in me because of this? So these are two very important questions we always ask. And so we began the book of Ruth and we, we, uh, Ruth reminds us that we can know the significance of our lives or our obedience. We can't know the significance of our lives or our obedience, but God knows. And one day we will see the whole picture. Who knows when things happen in life, sometimes we're like, what on earth? <laughs> why is this? Some, we don't know why. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Um, but we can trust that God actually knows the full picture. And one day this is all going to make sense. Probably not now. But one day, I'm sure you have stories like this, and so do I, which I'll share with you this morning. Um, so just first up, let's destroy the, the myth that the book of Ruth is like a Mother's Day sermon or like a women's conference thing. That's not it. It is so rich. It is so wonderful. It's so full of so many wonderful lessons for us. So, so in your brain today, like especially if you're a man, can I say that? Am I allowed to say that? Well, Bubba says, no, don't say that. Never mind. All I want to say is, let's look carefully at this story, because everything in the Bible is there for a reason, and it's so that we can learn from it. I'm really excited about the second half of this book. So, had Ruth not been written, I don't know whether you know this, the messy, risky story of this life of Ruth, had it not been lived, there are some really important things and people that they would have not have been born and they would not have happened. So this is a really important book. The book of Psalms would not exist. Can you believe that? It would not be a thing. <laughs> the book of Kings, Malachi, Zephaniah, right through to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they would not have been written and their subjects would not have revolutionized the relationship between humanity and a loving redeemer God had Ruth decided to give up and go to Moab. So this is actually an incredible, incredible story. We talked about Back to the Future last time. This is a Back to the Future moment. defines everything that happens from then on. Who has seen Back to the Future? We watched it again last night. Actually, we watched all three over the weekend. I just want to say out loud, you know when you watch things when you're little, <laughs> you go back and watch them when you're an adult, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Like, how did my parents let me watch that? <laughs> That's how I felt about Back to the Future, so please don't watch it is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, so we go to the next slide. The book of Ruth invites us to consider how God might be at work in the day-to-day -day hardships and joys of our life. I wish we had lots of time for this, but we don't, so we're <laughs> just going to do the best we can um, today. So one of my favourite, you can grab your Bible out now and turn to Ruth chapter 2. We're going to quickly look at this and then we're going to primarily look at uh, chapter 3 and 4 this morning. Ruth chapter 2, verse 3. This is one of my favourite lines in the book. 
And it says, So Ruth departed and went into the field and gleaned after the harvesters. And she happened to. Everyone say, and she happened to. You know that, you know the saying, as it and and it so happened. We say it all the time. Lots of people use this this expression. Um, she went to uh, of the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan, clan of Elimelech. So the Amplified says, she happened to stop at the field. The NLT says, as it happened. And the NIV says, as it turned out. And I can almost guarantee that for you and I, maybe you can think of a time right now, that we all have those moments in our lives where it's like an, an as it happened moment. We weren't expecting it. We didn't know it was going to work out that way, but we've had that moment. And we can look back and go, oh, as it happened. Right? This is one of those moments. I love this because it reminds me that God is at work in the everyday routine, the physical, mundane imperfections of life. And we can't usually see it at the time, can we? It's hard to see sometimes at the time. Sometimes that as it so happened moments in our life lead us to people and places that we could never have planned on our own. So the lesson for us today is to trust that God is at work in those as-it-so-happened moments. It's not wasted. Nothing with God is wasted. How beautiful. From God's providence, working amongst the natural, already flowing Susanna, already in motion circumstances, often come important and life-changing shifts for our good that we did not expect. This is the good thing about God. He will always bring something good from a situation that we did not expect. And it's interesting, isn't it, that we read that um, God does abundantly more than we can ask or think or imagine, and this is one of those things. So one Logan example for you, and I'm sorry if you've heard this story a million times, it's just a great example for us and for our family. As it so happened, um, Abigail was our snooziest child, like she's always tired, always tired, always having a nap, always tired, always pale, like her skin, always, always pale, and we were like, oh, Abby... She, she probably just needs to have a sleep again. That's Abby for you. And as it happened, five years ago, we met some new people and we ended up at their birthday party, which is weird because we hardly knew them, but we went anyway. And as it so happened, we contracted the worst tummy virus we've ever had. <laughs> is anyone having horror memories right now from stomach viruses? Oh, it is the worst. The whole family had it and we were down for a good couple of weeks. It was horrible. I will spare you the bowel activity details, but suffice to say that everyone got better except for Abby. And we were like, what's going on? Why isn't she better? As it so happens, we took her to emergency one night and it happened that there was a triage, a triage nurse taking her, her obs and he, he just uh, listened to her heart and he said, oh, her heart sounds a bit funny and it's probably nothing. I'm not really trained in this area. It's probably nothing. But maybe just get it checked out before you leave in the morning. So we stayed overnight and um, the doctors observed Abby overnight just to make sure that she recovered. They gave her fluids, all the things that they do. And uh, as it so happened, there was a paediatrician available the next morning who was on the wards doing Abigail, who came to do Abigail's albs before we um, were going to go home. And as it turns out, there were holes between the upper chambers of her heart. And so we felt bad for teasing her all the time. Abigail, you're always so sleepy. Come on, let's go. Let's do this. Let's do that. Why are you so tired all the time? So sorry. Where are you? I'm, I'm sorry in front of these witnesses. <laughs> and as it so happens, she had heart surgery in the, in the month following. Before there was any damage to her heart or lungs, she will not die young now. She will live a long, flourishing, God-honouring life in Jesus' name. 
And so the reason, yeah, I, it is amazing. I know, you don't have to clap though. <laughs> it is amazing, it is amazing. But at no point on this roller coaster of emotions were we thinking, I totally understand why this is happening. This is totally fine, we're fine, I'm fine. It was not that. It's not that, is it? When things happen that are unexpected, it, it's not fine, it doesn't feel fine. And it didn't feel fine for us. And so, you know, we don't always understand what's happening, but looking back on all of the as-it-happened moments, we see now that God was at work through the everyday things to bring about a result for our good. Tell the person next to you it's for your good. For our good. The bad thing isn't from God, but he will use it for your good. He will use it for your good. And so I wonder for you how God might be at work right now in your life. Maybe it's hard for you to recognize and maybe it feels impossible to even recognize. But the story of Ruth reminds us that nothing is happening that will be wasted and that God is at work behind the scenes all the time, all the time. And we say, don't we, we say, oh, gee, that was lucky. Lucky we went to emergency. Lucky that nurse was on. But is it? Is it luck or is it God? I'm pretty sure it's God, you guys. Think of all of those... um, What's the word? Coincidences in your life. <laughs> there is a saying, I think it might be Corrie Ten Boom, I could be wrong, that she says, more coincidences, hap- more coincidences happen when we pray than when we don't. <laughs> this is one of those things, one of those things. So as it happens, Ruth and Naomi devise a plan to save their family. And they're like, Boaz, everyone say Boaz. Boaz is our guy. He's the one who could protect us and move us into the future because, you know, we've lost so much. And so Ruth goes and visits Boaz and basically hits him up for marriage. You guys, I'm not going to lie, is really strange. Who read it this week? Did anyone read it this week or last week? It's wild. It's a wild story. I'm not here to explain it or defend it, although there's lots of interesting things that happen. (laughs) I actually have a book here. Can you pass me that one, Abby? Thank you. Um, if anyone wants to have this, you can just take it and have it. Um, there's so much symbolism. There's so much going on in this story that we don't have time for, but I just love for you to be able to read it. So you can get this book yourself or you can borrow it from me and um, take it home and it will be a blessing to you, I'm sure. So uh, Ruth is like, I'm going to go propose to this guy. And in our Western brains, we're like, this doesn't make sense. What is happening? Um, But there's a few observations that I think could be helpful for us. And that's what I just want to quickly look at today. So all of this happens on the threshing floor where the harvesters of the grain would winnow. That's a funny word. Which means they picked up all of the harvest and they would like throw it into the air so that all the chaff would blow away and all of the grain would fall and they would keep the grain. And um, most often than not, the men, after working all day, they would actually sleep beside their pile of grain because there's heaps of people on the threshing floor and around this area. And sometimes thieves would come and like take all of the grain that you just worked really hard for. So people would sometimes sleep next to um, the piles of grain that they had produced, that, that they had gleaned. And so, um, so Boaz has dinner, he's worked hard all day, he probably has a glass of wine it looks like, and he falls asleep on the threshing floor. So Ruth chapter three, are you ready? Let's do it, I love that, whoever said that. Let's do it. Chapter three. And this is verse 8. It says, At midnight, Boaz was startled, turned over, and there lying at his feet was a woman. (laughs) Oh, man. Who are you? He asked. I'm I'm your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your garment over me, for you are my kinsman redeemer. We talked about this last week. Relax, everyone. It is PG from here. It's, It's all okay. So then Boaz says, May the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have shown more kindness now than before because you have not run after younger men, whether rich or whether poor. 
And now do not be afraid, my daughter, for I will do whatever you request. Since my fellow townspeople know that you are a woman of noble character, because character matters to God, doesn't it? We talked about that last week. Yes, it is true that I am your kinsman redeemer, but there is a redeemer nearer than I. So stay here tonight and in the morning, if he wants to redeem you, great, let him redeem you. But if he doesn't want to redeem you, as surely as the Lord lives, um, I will. Now lie here until morning. So she lay down at his feet until morning and she got up before anyone else could recognize her because no one likes a walk of shame, right? That's what people would have thought. And then Boaz says, don't let it known. Uh, then Boaz said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. And he told her, bring your shawl that you were wearing and hold it out. And so she did so. And he shoveled six measures of barley into her shawl and he went to the city. So Ruth takes all of this barley that he's that he's just given uh, that she's just been given back to her mother-in-law, and her mother-in-law is like, "What happened?" And she's like, "Oh my gosh, this happened!" And here's all of this grain, and he will redeem us, and he wants to provide for us because he's a good man and he's a faithful man. And he wants to look after us. What a legend, right? Boaz is the legend of the story. So what a weird chapter. It's just weird. But two things here. Firstly, never ask your daughters to propose marriage in this way. And second thing is, <laughs> if we go to slide number four, uh, thank you. Who knows this phrase, to take you under my wing, take you under my wing. You might be able to think of a person who's done that before for you. They've taken you under their wing and so they've like helped you in some way or they've taught you something or they've provided for you or protected you in some way to take you, to take you under their wing. Um, so we read in Ruth, she says, spread your, spread your garment over me. But the actual, the language here in the original is more like spread your wings over me. Spread your wings over me. And so when we see this word and this language in other places in the Old Testament, it's most often referring to, yes, intimacy, but also protection, like ongoing protection. So you might know Psalm 91 really well, but like let's revisit it because it's beautiful. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God in whom I trust. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every, every deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers or the language is wings. He will cover you. He will cover you with his wings. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armour and protection. How great is that? His faithful promises are your armour and protection. So why does this matter for you and I? When we remember from Ruth, from Ruth part one, we looked at Boaz as like a signpost or a pointer to Jesus. So this is what Jesus is like. There's an Old Testament picture of Jesus and therefore like the fullness of God, God in the flesh, this is what he's like. And so Boaz exhibits these godly characteristics that are here to remind us of what God really looks like. His care, his compassion, his generosity, and his provision, which provokes these questions for me. For me, this is what I'm thinking when I'm reading through this. Have I moved out from under his wings? Have I ever done that? Am I doing that now? God's protection, have I moved away from it as a result of my own choices? Have I just stepped away? Have I stepped away? We've all done it before, and we'll all probably do it again. It's a good question to ask, isn't it? Do I need to just rejig this? Do I just need to go back to God and go, oh God, I've just been trying to do this on my own and I'm really sorry about that. But I thank you, God, that you cover me with your protection. You cover me with your wings. And that's his promise to you and that's his promise to me today. So this is an important question. 
And just like Ruth was vulnerable and powerless without that solid identity, like being attached to Boaz, we can also be in that space where we've stepped out from under his wings. Um, when we're doing things on our own and we're trying to sort out life on our own. And if this is resonating with you today, then I just want to say to you, it's time to step back. Step back toward him. Move close again to him. Ruth wasn't asking Boaz like for a lend of his jacket for the night. The symbolism here is ongoing future protection. And this is how beautiful, how beautiful this is what God is like. Ongoing future protection when we're close to him, when we're willing to move close to him. And so God invites us into that dynamic, but, and he wants to redeem and restore us. And he is willing. He is willing, but we've got to move close. We've got to move close. So the best part of the story now, chapter 4. Take a deep breath. This is going to be amazing. Verse 4, if you've got your Bible, or it'll be on the screen. Boaz, Boaz went down to the town gate and took a seat there. And just then, a fam- the family redeemer he had mentioned came by. So Boaz called out to him, come over and sit down, my friend. I want to talk to you. Does anyone else, when, you, when someone says to you or they text you or they email you or whatever, they're like, hey, can I talk to you? Are you like, no? Yeah, right? Oh, <laughs> So who knows what this guy was thinking? <laughs> Maybe they hadn't talked for a long time. But he's like, I want to talk to you. So they sit down together and Boaz um, calls 10 leaders from the town. There's a whole bunch of symbolism here and you can read in this book if you like. He calls and he asks them to be witnesses. And Boaz says to the family redeemer, you know Naomi who came back from Moab. She's actually selling land that belonged to the, our relative Elimelech. I thought I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away because I am next in line to redeem it after you. So the man goes, no worries, I'll redeem it. This sounds great. This is a great deal. I'll do it. And then Boaz goes, of course, if you purchase, with your purchase of the land from Naomi, it also requires that you marry Ruth the Moabite. It's like a little bit sneaky. Like, you know, there's Moabites. They're not very good. This isn't going to be good for you. You should try. Like, he wants to marry Ruth, guys. <laughs> That's what's happening here. <laughs> These sneaky Moabites, you know what they're like. But we're remembering that um, from part one that God loves people more than the rules, right? God loves people more than the rules. So he says, um, you'll need to do that so that she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and um, keep the land in the family. And he goes, then I can't redeem it. Um, because it might endanger my own estate. Translation, I don't think my wife would be happy about that. <laughs> you redeem the land, but I can't do it. Another little observation, which I was just thinking about this morning as I was reading through this, is regarding the character of God, there will be those in their life that you thought that you could rely on, um, but they may not be there for you. When, as soon as things start endangering their comfort, <laughs> as soon as they need to put their neck out for you, they're not willing to do that. But the picture of Boaz here is that he is like God and he's willing to do that. And actually, when we look at Jesus, he's paid everything. (laughs) He's paid everything already. He's willing. He has already stuck his neck out for you. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. How beautiful. (laughs) Thank you, God. So uh, verse 7, it says, Now in those days when the custom for Israel, uh, was the custom for Israel for anyone transferring Uh, a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction so that the other family redeemer uh, drew off his sandal and said to Boaz, you can buy the land. 
So let's pause in this story for a moment. My brain went a million miles an hour when I hear this about take off your sandals, right? Because immediately my brain is thinking about Moses and how God says to Moses at the burning bush, take off your sandals because this is holy ground. In other words, this ground, this belongs um, to me, not to you, Moses. This is my ground. This is my presence has marked it. And uh, so I'm thinking about all of these things. And just like we've read, the taking off of sandals signifies a transfer of property. So the first guy's saying, here's my sandal, Boaz. I'm saying to you that every place that I might yet to be set, to set my feet, it now belongs to you. I'm giving it to you. It belongs to you now. So Boaz is an Old Testament picture of who? Of Jesus, right? So maybe I take my shoe off right now. And um, I'm like, Val... <laughs> Is everything that I own, my iPad, my clothes, if they're not too old for you, my, what else do I own? My children, Zoe. (laughs) My children, my dog, everything, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you now. I've a transfer of ownership over. Now Val owns everything that would have been mine. (laughs) You don't have to have all of those things. And also, I just want to remind you that also we're in front of all of these witnesses that actually that law doesn't exist anymore. So don't come claiming this. <laughs> don't come claiming this after this preach. <laughs> um, so my brain is like, whoa, lots of things are happening here. What is happening here? And it just got me thinking symbolically, of course, symbolically, of course, taking off sandals, holy ground, belonging to God and not me in Moses' case, being marked by God's presence, giving over ownership. Is there any place in my life, I just started asking myself, is there any place in my life or even maybe my whole life, if you're not a Christian this morning, that um, I just need to actually just take the sandal off and say, God, I just give you control. Just giving this control back to you because it belongs to you, God. It belongs to you. This belongs to you and not me. And so that's my little reflection there as I now stand here with no shoes on. Because God is way more powerful and merciful and grace-filled and he's not limited by our circumstances and he makes much, not wasting our brokenness, he makes much of the life that we can't fix. You and I can't redeem it, but he can. So imagine being the one who just says, God, it's yours now, I'm giving it to you, I'm giving it back to you. This area of my life, my marriage, whatever it is, I'm giving it back to you now, God, because it's yours. It's yours and I can trust you. I can trust you. So, then Boaz said to the elders and all of the crowd standing around, you are my witnesses today that I have bought all of the property of Naomi and you've seen these things happen and I'm going to redeem it now. And the elders are like, "Um, yes, we've witnessed it. And they're like, may the Lord prosper you and Ruth and restore Naomi and may the kingdom of God be built just like your ancestors built it. So verse 13, Boaz married Ruth and the Lord blessed her with a son. And after his birth, the women said to Naomi, because God loves to redeem, praise the Lord. Today he has given you a grandson to take care of you. We pray that the boy will grow up and be famous everywhere. He will make you happy and take care of you because this son is uh, the son of your daughter-in-law. And she loves you more than seven of your own sons would have loved you. So Ruth's character matters to God. Ruth's character matters to God. Our character matters to God. It doesn't change. It's the same. It matters to God. And so this is the genealogical record of the ancestor of Perez. I don't recommend these baby names because one of them is like salmon, like the fish. I'm not kidding. Imagine that. Like in school, 
<laughs> hey, Hazel. In school, like, oh, well, is, it, is this supposed to be Simon? No, it's not it's salmon. It's salmon like the fish. <laughs> Anyone had to spell your name to your teachers forever? Kesha, yeah. Duncan, Duncan. Oh, yeah, of course. Yes, definitely. Mm. Anyway, uh, I don't recommend it. But we read through the lives of Ruth and Naomi. Uh, through the lives of Ruth and Naomi, the salvation of the whole world came about. So David was in her family line. King, like the King David. <laughs> the King David whose psalms that you read today when you have your quiet time. The King David. And then eventually Jesus. And we all know what Jesus does, changes the world forever, <laughs> brings humanity close to God where they've been far from God. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the lives of Ruth and Naomi, right? Amazing, amazing. Such a beautiful story in a time where grace and mercy were so hard to come by. We remember it was in the time of, written in the time of the judges um, where the Bible says that um, the people, they had no leader and they did whatever they thought was right in their own eyes. So praise God for his mercy and his kindness and his restoration in this story. So I'm just going to ask Kesh to come if you can. And we're just going to talk quickly like what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? Because here's what I'd really hate about church and I know I say this sometimes but I'm just going to say it again. I would hate to just come in here every Sunday and we hear a word and we sing some songs and we go away but we're not changed. Come on. <laughs> it, <laughs> God has more for us than that. And this is good, and I'm not criticizing. We should come into the house of God together, and we should sing together because God is good, and he is faithful, and he is kind. But if his word isn't transforming us, maybe we just need to begin to ask ourselves, oh, God, God, would you maybe soften my heart toward you? So that when we hear his word and then when we worship together, there's something is taking place in our lives, and transformation is taking place in our lives. That's my prayer for us. So we need to know who God calls us. We learned about this in part one. So we don't call ourselves by our circumstances as Naomi did. And we need to remember that God loves us more than the rules. And this is good news for you and I because along comes Jesus and Jesus says all the rules that you've ever heard of can be summed up in these two. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbour as yourself. That's it. That's the rule I care about. How beautiful. Thank you, God. God can use and so it happened moments. He can. Because he's always working behind the scenes and we don't need to fear. We don't need to fear. One day, God will show us the whole picture. But until then, we can trust him. We can trust him. So just go, I'll just go to slide 14 if we can. So let's just, let's just get real here because information is good, right? But transformation is better, isn't it? Can I actually invite the whole team? We might sing again before we go. If the whole team can come up, let's go King of Kings, hey? Thank you, that would be awesome. So let's just take a moment to respond. If you'd like to stand, because we're going to sing together anyway, we're going to worship Jesus. So let's stand together and just have a moment of reflection, a moment of response. And just looking at these questions, just as you're standing where you are and these guys are going to begin to play, looking freshly at Ruth provokes these questions. Do we call ourselves by our circumstances or does God call us as we really are in Christ? We say, oh man, that was lucky, but actually it was God. Praise God for that.
Have I moved out from under his wings, from God's protection as a result of my own choices? Is there any place in my life that I need to just take off the sandal, take off the right to own and control and hand it back to Jesus? And the next one, Zach, thank you so much. God has not left us. He is at work in the day-to-day hardships and joys of our lives. God makes gold out of the brokenness of our lives that we can't fix ourselves. He can redeem it. He can redeem it. (laughs) How amazing. How amazing. So I wonder if you just bow your head in prayer with me. And then we're just going to sing our hearts out to Jesus, who's just so good, who the Bible calls the King of Kings. We just love you, Jesus. And just as you're standing here in prayer with me, let's take a moment to respond. And some of the questions we can ask are, have I moved out from under his wings, from God's protection? Or maybe for you this morning, you just realised that actually I need to trust God again with this thing. Whatever it is, you've taken it back into your own limited control, but it's time to just give it back to God. Maybe like Ruth, God's calling you today to follow him fully with bravery and without reservation or excuse, despite what things look like. Is there any place in my life that I just need to take off the sandal, the right to own, like we've talked about, and say, this is for you, God. I give ownership of this to you. If that resonates with you, just give me a little wave, just so I know who I'm praying for. Awesome, awesome, great, amazing. And maybe you've never followed Jesus before. This might even be your first time in church. You don't need to freak out. Maybe you've never been a Christian before. Or maybe you've just been distant from God. But you know that in this moment, and you can actually feel it on the inside, that God's drawing you right now in this moment. And you're ready to say, yes, here I am, God. I want you to come into my life. You can also just give me a little wave wherever you're standing. Amazing. So let's just pray a prayer now. Feel free to be vocal if you want to do that. If you want to just have this moment with God and just begin to talk to Him, that's okay. God, we just come before You and we just humble ourselves before You. God, as Your people who You love, God, You've given everything so that we can know You. And God, I pray for each person who has responded. I pray for those who want to follow You. I pray for those who want to give control back to You because you're better with it than we are, God. I just pray for these people now. Holy Spirit, that you would just begin to stir in their heart, that you would just begin to show them what what is the next step? What do I need to do? What do I need to give to you, God? What process in my life do I need to begin so that I can follow you fully? And I pray against fear in Jesus' name. God, I pray that no one would be fearful to follow you because you are trustworthy. We can trust you, God. Thank you for the work of your spirit in this moment. I thank you for all that you are calling us to, God, as individuals and as a church here in Armadale. I pray, God, that you would continue to call us to follow you fully, just like Ruth, who just set aside everything. Help us, God. We want to be the people who follow you with everything. Take away fear, God. Expose our excuses, God. And help us to humble ourselves before you.
love you, God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in this moment. And I pray, God, as we leave from here, that you would just seal it, Holy Spirit, that we would not go away and forget it, but that you would continue to speak to us.